This is a Crib Room Podcast. Bringing you industry news, views and happenings. Thanks very much for tuning in to our Crib Room podcast via Industry Link Media. It's your opportunity today to reminisce with us. We're going to go back to the Wigmore's days and the days of the 80s on the Golden Mile of Western Australia in particular with two gents who were mates in the schoolyard and continue to be mates right now and in business, Rex Baker and Jason John. These two gents will take you through a bit of a walk down memory lane. Now look, we could sit for hours and have a listen to some of the stories coming out and there's even a story in here that we've had to take out. Look, it's not for our Crib Room podcast audience, but if you ever come across Rex, ask him about the night he went down to Boddington and hit a kangaroo. We could include it here, but we have a funny feeling the authorities would be after us. Hey, enjoy taking a walk down memory lane with Wigmores here in Western Australia with two legends, Rex Baker and Jason John. Gents, thanks very much for your time. Yeah, thanks a lot for that, Glenn. It's good to um, have the opportunity to come along and have a talk. Yep. Likewise, looking forward to it. Now, Rex, first of all, for you, you started in what was probably public works before you got to Kalgoorlie, or you, you probably did a bit of work getting to Cal um, through that public works department. Tell us through the 70s and the 80s and what led you there. Well, my uh, life as a mechanic started as a, an apprentice at the public works department, and with them we did several things. We worked for uh, main roads, we worked for the water board, even did a stint at the uh, railways out in Midland there, and uh, even the police department. So, yeah, a little bit of uh, broad spectrum there, not just earth moving equipment. And how'd you get into Wigmore's in Cal? Wigmore's in, yeah, well, Wigmore's in Perth, I started. Uh, I finished my apprenticeship on one day in uh, 1981, and I started the very next day at Wigmore's. My previous employer got me the job there. Uh, one of my workshop foremen was friends with uh, people within Wigmore's who did the, uh, the recruitment, and uh, he got me a job there, so... One day as a, an apprentice with Public Works and the next day as a mechanic with uh, Wigmore's. Jason, let's talk about your story. Your apprenticeship was served in Cow? No, my apprenticeship was served in um, South Guildford at the old Wigmore's Tractors Building, which is now the parts department. Um, I spent about three and a half years there and into my fourth year, I was probably, true to say, I was probably one of the less interested apprentices. We were more interested <laughs> in living a good life than learning about tractors and... Um, <laughs> They soon got me out of that place and I was sent to Windara, actually, which was yeah. the original Western Mining Windara Underground Operations as an apprentice on labour hire. And I spent about three or four months up there and at that stage I met um, Barry Stewart, who was the manager of Wigmore's in Kalgoorlie at the time and got to know Barry. And I, I went back to Perth for about three months and then they uh, were looking for mechanics in Kalgoorlie, so I applied for the role and ended up being shipped back to Kalgoorlie. And mate, from there um, I spent the next 17, 18 years working in Kalgoorlie. Let's talk about some of that time because for both of you, I want to talk about some of the first machines that you were working on under your apprenticeships and, and at Wigmore's. What was around back in then in the very early 80s? Well, it was pretty exciting out at Windara because we had uh, what were called the Wig Truck, which were a truck that was uh, an underground truck designed by, by Wigmore's, um, so before the Orphanstone gear came out. So there was those and there were some underground loaders called Imcos and they had cat engines in them. So, like Jason said, one of my first stints was actually out at Windara as well, uh, working on those old bits of what we call them crap now. But old <laughs> 631C motor yeah, scrapers, they yeah. were being modified to an underground truck. Yeah. And they had a terrible brake problem. They didn't have really good brakes and retarders. <laughs> they so they, they didn't they'd use, get they a bit of a run-up down the decline and they'd get a bit out of shape and they'd end up wedged in the decline because <laughs> they'd run out of brakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it used to take them about a day to clear the decline so all the operations would stop. Yeah. Plenty of ways to get by back then, weren't there? There was uh, modifications happening here, there and everywhere. There were, yeah. Look, Wigmore's, I suppose they spent a lot of 
time developing that underground machinery. They did, they especially did. around the gold fields. Yeah. Um, the early days of Wigmore's um, Western Mining Campbell was a massive operation. I think they had about sixteen or eighteen active declines and shafts and. Yep. My early days at Wigmore's, I spent most of my time just running around Cambelda from job to job. Yeah. And um, it was interesting times, actually. Yeah. Western Mining were, yeah, they were a massive company. Mm. Elphinstone, I mean, that's how they started. Well, not how they started, but a lot of their their early um, development and whatnot was done through Wigmore's. Uh, Alan Harnett, uh, he came over, he's Dale's right-hand man, he came over and put the first machines together in the workshop in, uh, in Guildford and then... Sent them up. The first one went up to Leinster. Um, yeah, so, I mean, Wigmore's as it was, yeah, forerunners of the underground here. Now, Jason, I'm going to move a bit more for your career because it sort of bounced around from your apprenticeship all the way to, to what was workshop manager and even beyond for, for Force. Yes, that's right, yeah. From a workshop point of view and as a, a CEO, you would have seen quite a dynamic golden mile as it was back then when all the, the leases were pretty separated and oh, there was things going on everywhere. That's right. In the early force days, it was just Bond equipment back then, Greg Bond's business. Um, we were fortunate enough to pick up the crusher feed work around the golden mile. So we ended up with loaders running around the clock at Carissa, Sering, Arroyo, Peringa and Mount Percy crusher feed operations. So it was a 24-hour day, seven-day-week operation. So a lot of times we'd find ourselves, I used to find myself running a workshop and pulling spanners through the day and I unfortunately was the um, call-out operator on night shift as well. So it was an <laughs> interesting time. So you'd, I'd sneak back in home at four or five in the morning while the wife was still in bed, have a shower and go off to bed, off to work again. But well, how, how can you get away with that now? Uh, mate, obviously you don't do that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and we're talking 30 years ago now. So. Yeah, we had a little stint the other night, out late night, fixing the grader, Jason and myself, one of our hire machines. Brought back a few memories, and we thought, "Yeah, it's back to the future." Yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk about that because the work ethic back then was pretty enormous, wasn't it? But the yeah. the play ethic was also just as good. Yeah, yeah. No, you used to uh, work pretty hard. I remember I uh, stint up at uh, Burrow Peninsula working for Leighton's, but uh, on the Woodside Woodside site, but doing the um, the LNG site, and I didn't have a day off for six months. Yeah. Just kept working all every day for six months. It was almost yeah. a privilege to have a Sunday off. Yeah, yeah. I remember years back, I think it was in the early force days, I had a Saturday off in Kalgoorlie and it was unusual to walk down Hannah Street during the day and the shops were open because mm. this never happened. Well, the cows just picked up seven-day trading recently. Imagine what you oh, would have done yeah, on your Sunday. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't that good in the back then, <laughs> back in the 80s, that's for sure. Switching over to the 90s and Rex for you, what did that bring? I suppose, well, the uh, dealership change in 1989, mm -hmm. we became Morgan Equipment. So I was on field service when the changeover happened, but I went straight to Morgan Equipment as a product support rep. So, um, yeah, that was a bit of a different life for me. Um, but a bit like Jason was talking about, it, you did everything then because we were just starting out as a new company. Wigmore's were still in operation. They weren't the cat dealer anymore. We were Morgan Equipment, so... We were actually setting up the parts department in uh, the old Bushels T building in Kewdale. So we'd at night time we'd be stacking shelves, putting parts in, in their allocated slots and whatnot, and then by day we'd be out there doing product support, trying to trying to flog the parts and the and the gear. And uh, so yeah, it was pretty hectic times, but everybody um, put in a, a huge effort. And eventually, uh, well, we'd moved back to the uh, the old Wigmore's. Uh, you know, took a 18 months or so, but 
yeah, it was uh, a lot of hard slog, but then everybody uh, ended up back at the old place. Because I think about the time that Morgan's came along, yep. Harold Morgan it was at the time, he yep. said, look, we're going to go from South Guildford and we're going to go over to Kudale, over to Welshpool sort of way. Well, we a, it was a bit spread out. There was all sorts of operations. There was a track shop over in Mills Road. There was the parts department in uh, President Street in Kudale and then it was the old through-off truck building in, uh, in Kudale where the service department started. So it was, yeah, it was a bit spread out. How was that for the team being so spread out? Yeah, it was, yeah, it was different. But <laughs> yeah, once again, I think a lot of people went through a lot of hard times, even those that were left behind, you know, that, that didn't want to come or couldn't come. Yeah, Wigmore's um, was yeah. a very close company. Yeah, everyone worked together for a long time. They all knew each other, and it was a yeah. bit of a, a bit of a culture shock when they pulled it to bits. Actually, it was a mm. bit of a shame to see it go. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a big shock mm. for everyone. Well, that ended up reconsolidating back at South Guildford, and we'll get to that in some ownership questions in just a couple of minutes because obviously there's been a, a couple of different owners since the, the Wigmore's days. But um, uh, further around the 90s, we started to see a lot more technology come along. We saw bigger equipment. We saw bigger payloads that were yeah, starting right. to come through. Yeah. This was a time when mining really got yeah. to the crux, but then the prices weren't that great too, were they? I'm not talking the prices of the commodities. Yeah, that, that, that is true, but... Like you say, well, we started getting into the big diggers, for instance, you know, the 5130s and the 5230s and the larger trucks. Um, yeah, it was a culture shock for a lot of people. Had to learn a lot of things about new technology. And, uh, yeah, it certainly put a lot of people to, to the test. And what about over at Bonds and, and then into Force? Jase, how did that sort of go down with all of this big equipment coming online? Oh, look, it was, a, it was definitely a learning curve. We'd sort of come out of the Wigmore's days of the um, late 80s. It was May 89, actually, when it all all fell apart and closed up and we sort of swung across into the bond workshop and started fixing tractors and a lot of it was just smaller equipment i think with the the force or bond force business we seemed to stick around that um mainly the loaders loaders was our core business we got into some dump trucks so we sort of peaked out around the seven triple seven seven eighty five but yeah it was still a, a learning curve because we were out of the dealer we weren't privy to some of the technical information that um that the dealer mechanics had, we had to work pretty hard to keep up with it all, actually. And then moving into the the noughties and the 793s has almost become a staple in, in mining operations yeah, for the hard rock, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, um, certainly the uh, latents, you know, they started moving from 777s, the 785s and the 789s. Um, yeah, there's some photos there you can show later with the first 789s we delivered. But there was, um, yeah, there was West Street. They did a good job. They sent people on courses and even to America, look at new gear. Um, yeah, they were pretty proactive in trying to keep everybody at the forefront of technology, that's for sure, and still are. Coming back to those owners' days, because Robert Holmes of Court bought Wigmore's about 83, yeah. Bond yeah. tried to get into it in 1988, the Allen Bond that is, in, in about 1988. It was handed over to Harold Morgan. I think Stokes had a little bit to do with that to say maybe you don't want to pass it over to Alan. No, well, the Foreign Investment Review Board, Paul Keating, um, was very much against having full ownership, uh, well, not having full Australian ownership, but he he certainly had a lot to do with Stokesy coming uh, coming on board, I guess, because Harold was buggered without mm. without having Australian content or Australian ownership, but he wasn't going to get the dealership because he was dealing with Komatsu's, wasn't he? he was overseas, yes, he had the dresser. He had the Komatsu yeah. Indonesian dealership. Yep, yeah. and yeah. that's one of the problems that. Uh, we ran into a problem with the, the Caterpillar acquisition or the dealership acquisition. The deal fell over yeah. in Papua New Guinea, yeah. which um, he that deal fell over right at the time he was supposed to uh, finalise a deal with the Caterpillar dealership. It yeah. didn't happen. 
Moving then into about Christmas 88, I think it was that uh, Kerry Stokes signed the deal over for for taking ownership of Morgan's equipment at the time and, and bringing it under the one banner. The move back to South Guildford happened. There was a bit more about this this company and ended up changing its name to Westrap. Yeah, that was, uh, well, 89 they changed to Morgan Equipment and then it was you know, 18 months, two years after they changed to Westrap, yeah. Did that passion come back? That passion that was around the Wigmore's days when when you sort of lost it at oh, it you know in that period. Yeah, it took a while to to, uh, to gain its feet again. That's for sure. Yeah, it was a little bit different. It was a bit different. Everyone will always say that you know the good old days, like Wigmore's got uh, like West Track guys from ten years ago. will even say it's different today. You know that just naturally happens. Unfortunately, you you always have change. Sometimes it's for the better. Sometimes it's for the worse. And Jason, for you, you went on to. To obviously force. Tell us a bit further about, I suppose, that mid noughties and and further on to to your time with force. Yeah, look, the um, early days of force, it was pretty well a hands on type role, um, trying to grow the business with the two owners of the company. We sort of did what we had to do to make it work. Um, obviously, the um, the crusher feed operations up the Golden Mile was was very good for the business, and then we managed to pick up the uh, Mount Pleasant crusher feed as well with a 988B. We bought a brand new 988B. Um, we were out there for about seven or eight years, I think. And from there, we rolled into Paddington crusher feed. We did some work up at Thunderbox, Chalice, Higginsville. So it, there wasn't many big gold operations around Calgary. We didn't have a loader on. So it was good time business. And um, we had to work hard to make it work. Um, we did all our own repairs in-house, and that's where the workshop business really developed. And from there, we started doing a fair bit of customer work around the goldfields. And from that, that new facility opened probably about five to ten years. In the last ten years, that new facility in Cowes opened. And yes, it did. Geez, it gets a lot of... Uh, just recently, there's been some Roy Hill trucks come through there. There and- has been, yeah. Look, it's, um, I suppose my history around Foresight, I spent a lot of time around Kilgore developing that business. And I thought it was time to, to move to Perth. There's some personal situ- uh, circumstances, so we decided to move. So Greg and Barry said, so we'll have a crack in Perth. So... We put the business together in Perth. We developed that facility down on Abernethy Road now. Well, um, before that, you were in the old place over in... Oh, look, we had a couple of moves, yeah. <laughs> we had a couple of moves and then... The first place, that was a ripper. Yeah, one of our old managers <laughs> from Femiston, our maintenance managers, went to Port Hedland and he rang me up one day and he says, oh, you ought to get up here. There's a bit going on up here. So we went to Port Hedland. We decided to put a workshop together in Port Hedland. We started growing that business and then we moved back into Kalgoorlie after developing Forestfield and built that new... Um, facility that's now standing on uh, Greatest Highway. Now, now for you, Rex, I can see this first photo. We're going to go through some photos. It's going to make great podcast content, but we'll just talk about the memories about it, obviously. Um, for you, you're in a suit and tie. What's happening here? What what, what happened after your product development days? Well, product support days, yeah, I went into uh, project management. So there were five of us that were sort of product support reps and tech reps combined, and that was Gordon McManus, Lindsay Densley. Um, myself um, and Dale Moody. So the five of us got this job of being project managers, which you had to look after the customer's total needs and you had to help the sales rep do the sales as, as well as best you could. So I did that for, oh, I can't remember how many, about five years. So this picture here with me, so just, just uh, showing um, some people, some customers, how our 35 uh, engine works and operates so that's what that one is at the diner. You had plenty of hair back then. Yeah I had plenty of hair back then and it was black. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so that's what that photo was about. But um after I did the project management type stuff which was very interesting, I got into mining sales, which Mm -hmm. I did for quite a few years until I left West Track actually. I was in mining sales. What was your favourite product to sell? Oh look probably I I know people think this is uh 
going to sound funny, but I actually didn't mind the 5130s. And they were a good tractor if you could get them to work properly. You had to understand them. And they, 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 looked, they looked slow, but they used to swing a massive payload. And, you know, they'd do a four-pass over a, seven, eight, a, a trip seven truck and they'd be chock-a-block. Um, whereas a Komatsu 1600, it's seen competitive then. Everyone would think, wow, well, look how fast that's going. But, yeah, it'd take five passes to fill a truck. wasn't swinging as many tonnes. Yeah, I didn't mind mucking around with those. No, no, of course. Um, yeah, there's some photos there that went over to America and had a look at the first 994s before they came to Australia. Um, yeah, so it's, it's hard to say, like trucks, like deers, like loaders. So. <laughs> and I had a lot to do with the underground gear too, um, putting a lot of stuff into Western mining with the Elphinstone guys. Um, yeah, probably a lot of people listen to the podcast and remember Nick Superglue who used to work for Western Mining. Um, yeah, had a lot to do with old Nick, he was a good bloke. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, all, all parts of WA you used to go to, like Kajibup, uh, did the Kimberleys, Pilbara, South West even, did, did a lot in Collie with the trucks down there. Oh, look, there's plenty of memories, yeah. mate, and, yeah. and we could go on for hours I, and hours. You could, but I won't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to sum things up, you guys went to school? Primary school together and then high school together, and then we sort of parted ways a little bit through our apprenticeships. Yeah, and yeah. Group back together again in the early days of Wigmore's. Yeah, know. yeah, and then we got into a bit of strife. Trouble there, but anyway, that's that's history now. Oh, look, Rex is a very loyal person. He's uh, full of life. Uh, it's always a good time when you're around Rex, and mate. He's been a loyal friend for many years. Um, we've done a lot of business together, even through the force days. We've travelled together. We've done some trips through into Europe and America together, looking at machinery. And, yeah, it's always a good time. What about Jace Rex? Oh, same sort of thing, mate. Loyal. Um, you, if you've got a, a friend like Jason, you've got a friend forever. He'll uh, never let you down. He's very smart. Um, yeah, uh, look, he's he puts his he puts it all on on the line when he's doing something. Just a uh, like his bike riding, for instance. You know how hard he goes. He keeps up with twenty year olds just about this bike and kills them. Uh, he'll. He certainly doesn't appear to be uh, anywhere near the age that he is physically, that's for sure. I've heard really good reports about Jason that he's one of the most liked blokes in the industry. Yeah. Oh, the well, light blokes. No, liked blokes. Liked. 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 Yeah, yeah. No, he's a, he's a gentleman. Everybody loves Jace, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, he's... Uh, you don't want to go through life making enemies. No, no. He hasn't got any enemies. And tell us what you're into now. Look, um, the end of, uh, obviously, the two directors of Force sold the business. I stuck around for a little bit, um, but it just wasn't really heading in my direction, so I decided to get out, and then Rex and myself had teamed up together to form a new rental business um, in Peck Plant. Mm. We're just taking it day by day, looking for the right opportunities, and it's interesting, a lot of the uh, more positive opportunities we're finding are back in the goldfields. We've mm. got a lot of history in the goldfields, so I've um, never walked away from it. I, I love that, that region and their worth ethic up there, and it's just great to have an opportunity to get back that way. Yeah. I spent a lot of time now driving back up and down that road. <laughs> great old highway, that one. The greatest yeah. in highway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we've uh, we've been doing a little bit of the work ourselves as well. Yeah, back, yeah, back to basics. Back, back to basics and back to the future, like yeah. I said. <laughs> Toolbox on the back of the year. Yeah. You know, we're yeah. both very mechanically minded and we like uh, doing things right and we just feel it's um, sometimes good just to get out there and do it yourself. Yeah. Gents, yeah. thanks very much for sitting down and having a chat with us in the crib room. It's been awesome. Yeah, thanks. No worries. Thanks, Glenn. Thanks. The Crib Room series of podcasts are produced by Industry Link Media. Subscribe to podcasts via your audio platform and via industrylinkmedia.com. This is a Crib Room podcast.